At the core of our culture is an uncompromising focus on learner-centeredness. It's the backbone that drives everything we do in Lindsay Unified, and the focus of Episode 3 of Lindsay Live. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us as we move forward into November. By now, the year has kicked into full swing, and we've begun to settle into our learning environments. After two months of school, we may begin to feel the temptation to sit back and let our momentum carry us into the holidays. Now more than ever, adult convenience must be put aside and the desire to provide the ideal learning experience must remain at the core of our work. Throughout history, education has centered around adults. They have had control, and students have been rewarded for compliance. Too often, these adults make decisions to put themselves in favorable conditions. Decisions designed to make their jobs as simple as possible, like giving every student the same assignment and advancing them based on age instead of mastery. It's much more difficult to put the learner first, but it's critical for success in the performance-based system. Sometimes, putting them at the center of every decision requires a sacrifice at the cost of personal convenience. It causes us to personalize and take on more complex teaching strategies. It forces us to constantly challenge ourselves to make sure every action we take gives each individual learner their best chance to succeed. By this point in the year, we've gotten to know our learners. We've established a routine and set up a framework for success. In most of our learning environments, we've already grouped our learners by needs and co-created a personalized learning plan with each of them. Ideally, we've already built a learner-centered culture that has empowered our learners to direct their own learning and excel independently. We often think of culture as something that happens on its own, through indirect means. On the contrary, we must take deliberate steps to establish a culture. It requires deep thought about the beliefs, behaviors, customs, and attitudes that will be taught or reinforced. In Lindsay, some behaviors that shape the culture include teaching learners to know their own data and form goals. Learners know what they are learning and why it is important. Once the goal is set, they track progress and are supported to learn about the process of attaining goals. Attaining goals is a joint venture between the LF and the learners. When more support and additional learning opportunities are needed, the LF recognizes this and increases the support. Working together, learners learn the life skills they need in order to achieve. Goal setting, tracking, adjusting, persevering, celebrating. We can't overlook the importance of learners understanding that life is full of challenges. The way they approach problems is critical. Are you choosing to succeed? Is challenge a bummer or is it viewed as an opportunity to persevere and grow? A learner-centered culture is about empowering learners to deal with challenges and use them to develop the skill set necessary to navigate life. Establishing a culture of self-guided, lifelong learners is only half the battle. When creating a learner-centered culture, the adults have a responsibility to know each child. When we get to know each learner, their strengths shine and their weaknesses become opportunities for growth. This is when they begin to understand the growth mindset and support each other as unique individuals. 
Everyone doesn't have to be the same. Instead, learners accept differences as a part of life and show respect to one another. It is the responsibility of the learning facilitator to discover the capabilities, interests, and needs of each learner and help them develop a strategy that best complements their unique characteristics. Like creating a culture, we should not assume that building a relationship will happen by accident. We must take specific steps to cultivate these personal relationships with each of our learners. The first step to building positive relationships is to make time for them. A successful farmer would never tell you that he waters his crops whenever he feels like it. Rather, they would intentionally set aside time to make sure they receive the nourishment they need. You might try creating a schedule that allows for five minutes of one-on-one -on -one conversations each day at the end of station rotation time. This will create 25 minutes of focused interaction time by the end of the week and could allow you to visit with up to 25 learners. Even taking that one extra minute to get to know your learners on a personal level can go a long way towards building a culture around their life, interests, and needs. For administrators or team leaders, designating this responsibility by challenging staff members to meet with 10 different learners for one-minute chats can accelerate the growth of a learner-centered culture. Encourage them to join you in the Move the Bead Challenge by wearing a bracelet with 10 beads on it as a symbolic reminder to take one minute daily to speak with 10 different learners about their life. This doesn't have to be about school. Just take the time to ensure you speak with learners in a one-on-one -on -one way and move one bead each time you do. This helps create a system that guarantees every single learner at the site is known and has a meaningful conversation each week. It also creates community-wide involvement and purpose for all staff members. All stakeholders in the performance-based system play a role in this process. They should all have an authentic investment in a learner-centered culture. Learners, learning facilitators, administrators, classified staff, the board of trustees, parents, and community members all agree to align their actions and behaviors to the strategic design. Joining us on today's show are five educators with experience and expertise in the cultivation of a learner-centered culture. They're masters of ensuring every learner has a personal connection in their learning environment. We'll talk with Tisha Bradley, a learning director at the Lincoln Learning Community. Tisha is in her second year as a learning director and has first-hand experience crafting learner-centered environments from both inside and outside of the classroom. Manny Sanchez is an associate principal at Lindsay High School who will bring a unique perspective from his years of successful culture building in both performance-based and traditional learning communities. Joel Martinez and Tiffany Laird are learning facilitators at the Jefferson Learning Community and Lorena Leone is a counselor in the Kennedy Learning Community. All of today's guests are experts at creating and maintaining cultures that uncompromisingly keep the learner at the center. It should be a highly insightful discussion, so stay tuned to Lindsay Live.
Welcome back to episode three of Lindsay Live. I'm here with Manny Sanchez, Tiffany Laird, Tisha Bradley, Joel Martinez, and Lorena Leone. Big group today, so thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about creating and maintaining learner-centered environments and building cultures. So Tiffany, now that the educational year has started to gain some momentum, how do you prevent yourself from getting comfortable or falling into bad habits? I try implementing new strategies, teaching practices, and structures constantly. After district-wide PD, professional development, I also try to carry out what I've learned. Also, every opportunity I get, I enhance my expertise and further my education. What kind of strategies do you use to keep your culture centered around the learner? I use station rotation, one of the strategies learned in professional development, to keep my culture centered around the learner, where the learners are engaged, on task, challenged, and producing rigorous common core work. I also use Kagan structures, micro-teaching, SMART goals, and Hattie strategies to promote collaboration, cooperation, and teamwork within the learning environment. Joel, what does that look like in the kindergarten environment? Because most of your learners are new learners, and for some of them, it might even be their first experience working with others. So how do you go about building and maintaining a culture at the kindergarten level? I think for me, um, a lot of it is teaching them that we're a family and that we work together, especially in kindergarten. The first thing is that they want me to solve their issues and their problems. And they just come to me and say, well, blah, 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 did this to me, blah, 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 did this to me. But I want them to start learning and understanding that they can solve their own problems, that they have the power, that they can go in and solve their, their issues that they may have. If something happens, I just, in the moment, I, you know, if, if, if I'm doing guided reading and I can find a little time to go with one of the learners that had a question, you know, that wanted me to solve the problem, I go and I ask them, well, what, was the, what was the issue that happened? What did they do? You know, and then they, we kind of role play it and then we, I'll teach them how they could solve it themselves instead of having me go in and solve it for them. Manny, you've recently spent some time working outside of the performance-based system at a different district. What are some differences you noticed about the way they approach culture from one system to another? I believe that most organizations, the value of culture is a semi-underestimated and is not a huge priority on the overall scheme of things. So many institutions solely focus on test scores, passing rates, discipline trends, and while these are important, these are not the only factors in determining if a school or a district uh, culture is breeding college and career ready graduates. For example, we were having a family barbecue a few months ago, and uh, my brother-in-law and I were having a discussion about which schools were the best. And we both have 10-year-old uh, uh, sons. And so uh, he said, uh, you know, so-and-so school is the best because they have the highest test scores. And uh, he continued why test scores are the best predictor of how good or bad a school is. Of course, I rebuttaled with, there is more to what makes a school great, such as their core values, uh, what types of learning experiences are they, are they giving for their children, are they making learning relevant, you know, is staff teaching life skills, do learners have voice and choice, do staff have a growth mindset, and, and are they explicitly teaching that to the learners, um, is there a focus on ELD, is the whole child taken into consideration when lesson plans and projects are being developed? And I shared this with them because I believe that for my own child, a district who focuses on the whole child is something that's more appeasing to me than a district that's focusing on test takers. And that's one of the main reasons that I, uh, that I respect Lindsay Unified is because the, the focus on creating a learner-centered culture uh, is huge and, and how that aligns to the ideal learning experience. 
Tisha, I want to get your perspective on this because you've worn a variety of hats during your time in the performance-based system, from facilitating to design to delivery to now helping lead a learning community. So how do you draw from all that experience and use it to bring all the various stakeholders together and get them focused on one vision for the learners? I have the ability to draw on my experiences as a learning facilitator, as an academic coach, and also as a parent. So I look at everything through those lenses and make sure that learning facilitators understand that when they're talking to parents, they're talking about their child, that this is someone's baby. This is someone you know that, that is loved very much at home and needs to be loved very much at school as well. So making sure that when I talk to learning facilitators or parents or learners themselves, that I'm always thinking about those lenses and how we see our learners, not just as someone who's in class doing math in ELA, but they're a learner you know, who has experiences at home. And I think the only way to do that is to be real and to have those conversations and say, hey, don't forget, this is so-and-so's child, or how would you want your child treated at school? What would we do for this learner if it was your niece or your nephew? Having those conversations and just being transparent about it is a way that I help stakeholders be involved. What are some basic strategies that you use to make sure that every learner in your learning community feels known? Being open, meeting and greeting learners every morning at the front gates, asking about their weekend, introducing ourselves to our parents, and personally inviting them to be on committees, attending events, high-fiving the learners as we run into them in the grocery stores and sporting events around the community. It gives the learner a sense of belonging and that they matter. In the mornings, I greet every single one of my kindergartners. You know, they come in, I give them a high-five, you know what I mean, and they get really happy. And I always say their name, you know, thank you, you know, good morning, so-and-so, you know, and they get really, you know, they, they smile and I know they're ready, you know what I mean, they're ready to go. And, you know, whatever happened at home happened and now they're here, you know what I mean, in our classroom and they're safe and that I know, you know, I know who they are and I'm here for them. Also, I think generally taking an interest in the learners. If you see a learner wearing a football team's, you know, jersey or sweatshirt, um, asking them if they saw the game, asking who their favorite player is, and then remembering that. Taking the time to actually care about what that learner's interested in will go miles and miles for you with that learner. And I think it's important to, going along with that, especially those learners that have the difficulties with behavior and, you know, they're the ones that, oh, you know, that's that one learner that does this. You know, if you see something like, hey, how are you doing today? You know what I mean? And that way they also feel like, oh, not everybody's always, you're doing this wrong, this wrong, and this wrong. You know, oh, you know, somebody's talking to me about my favorite sports team, you know, and, you know, they feel more comfortable with you. And I think that's extremely helpful. I had a learning facilitator approach me this afternoon about some positive comments on one of our learners. And I asked him, is it okay if I share with the learner these comments? He said, oh, yes. And I said, you know, let's take it a step, a step farther. Let's go ahead and contact the parent and tell them about their academic growth and how they've matured and how they're behaving now at school. And so after school, I approached the learner, and she looked at me with these big eyes and said, well, that's a first. Nobody's ever called to make positive comments. I only get uh, phone calls when I misbehave. So that... 60-second conversation. I'm kind of excited next week to see how she's going to approach me. I think we've just built an additional connection. Mm -hmm. I'd say, too, don't stop the learner. Continue to motivate them, challenge them, um, bring them to that level four. If they've already met their learning targets, push them. Don't just say, okay, you know it all, so now what? Just challenge them. One, One strategy to ensure that all learners 
our herd is challenging all staff to, to build relationships with learners, whether they're LFs, support staff, grounds folks, cafeteria folks. You know, we have uh, um, many stakeholders who bring a, a wide variety of perspectives and experiences and a wide variety of educational levels. When someone takes that time, that effort to find that common ground with a learner, it makes that person's day. And, and it does lead to opportunities for uh, empowerment, for uh, raising one's self-efficacy and ensuring that each learner at every site not only feels included, but, but feels respected. Treating them almost as family in a sense. Now, what does it take to translate that relationship and build it into academic success? When you build that relationship with a learner, and, and you find that common ground, you can leverage that relationship to then motivate them to perform academically. You know, it's, it's a lot easier as, an, as a learning facilitator to bring in some real life contexts into that lesson when you know that child. You know, for example, you know, if, if you're teaching area and perimeter as a, as a math LF, and you uh, have gotten to know the learners in your class, and let's say there's, a, there's several learners who have dads or, or, or moms who are in the construction business and can relate to building a fence, how easily would it be to, to relate the uh, perimeter of, of a shape to building a fence and making that connection to, hey, Johnny, you know, I know your dad is a, is a contractor. I'm sure he's built a fence in the past. You know, how does this relate to, to building a fence as far as uh, perimeter? And so those opportunities uh, could be leveraged and capitalized on, but it starts with the relationship. And, and then the result is that academic achievement and that academic growth. I don't think you can have those academic conversations very effectively without relationships. I think if the learner knows that you're genuinely interested in them as a person and their academic success is just part of who they are, then you can have those conversations more, you know, easily or um, without any hard feelings. You know, a learner doesn't feel attacked when we're being transparent with data. They feel like you're, you know, you're really interested in my reading or my math because you do care about me. And because this is just part of who I am as a learner, I'm here at this level as a reader or as a mathematician, and your conversation with me is about helping me to be successful. That transparency doesn't come, I don't think, easily without a relationship. You've mentioned it twice, Tisha. I just wanted to reiterate the focus on being genuine. These kids, they could see through folks who are not being real and who are not being genuine. And so it's important that you are genuine in those approaches because, you know, if you genuinely are not interested and you are trying to fake a relationship or you're trying to fake an approach with the learner, it's almost best to not even take that approach mm -hmm. until you're ready to be genuine about that approach or about that relationship. Having a connection with learners and then um, talking about, you know, some of the issues with their academics, it opens up the door for them also to tell you why they couldn't accomplish some of the things. You know, I didn't have food last night, we don't, we don't have electricity. It's just um, having that connection first opens, opens up, opens up the conversation for academics and then they they start telling you all the issues that they're having, and in return, we can refer to Healthy Start or help them ourselves. Right. A lot of times we might run into issues that we didn't expect at all or don't even know how to deal with. So how can we use that as an opportunity to reach out to other stakeholders in the district and get everyone involved? 
Um, one process that we have um, <clears throat> is the SST process, uh, student support team. And so if we do, if we have identified a learner who is struggling academically, behaviorally, socially, emotionally, and, and we deem it appropriate to uh, gather resources and, and create some uh, wraparound services for that learner at the site level, the SST process creates that platform. And so when you combine LFs, counselors, admin, support staff, parents, and uh, you sit around a table and uh, you, you talk about successes and you talk about struggles, that really does show that learner that these people care and, and, and they're here for me. And so I think that's important and it's an important process when we're talking about uh, inclusion, talking about intervention, and just, again, uh, genuinely having a, uh, an approach that is coming from uh, the, the right uh, lens. At our site, we have the cost team. So it's kind of like the team before the SST team, where us LFs and support staff and whoever is involved with the learner can tell our admin, hey, this learner needs help academically or behaviorally, socially, emotionally, whatever it may be. And that learner gets put on this cost team list. And so that way our admin knows, hey, we need to keep our eye out on this learner. And the kids then feel, hey, you know, they care about me. They want to do what's best for me. So as to not forget that learner, they start them off on that list. And then as the process continues, then it goes to the SST team and then they get the further resource that they need. We're really looking at all parts of this learner, academic life, social life, um, home life. And that's where we have, as Tiffany was mentioning, all hands on deck. We have admin there, support staff, counselors, Healthy Start staff, anyone else that we want to bring to the table to make sure that this learner's needs are being met. So every stakeholder has a role. Absolutely. Parents are invited and sometimes learners are invited depending on their age and if it's appropriate. Now what are some of the biggest struggles that you've run into during this culture building process and how have you been able to overcome them? For me, it's been trust. Somewhere along the line, they, the, the learners, their trust was broken at home. So something that I struggle with is tr trust and I have to be consistent because sometimes having breakfast, during the meet and greet, having lunch, going to the same rotation and learning environment is how you build trust. They count on having a schedule and that schedule is what what makes me want to be here throughout the chaos of, of um, coming from home. So we talk about building this schedule and establishing a plan, and now it's November. We've built that. Uh, we've had enough time to get to know our learners and build plans around them. So how do we avoid the complacency of the holiday season and avoid that tendency to lean on what we know and what's familiar, what's comfortable, and instead take steps to continue to go deeper, continue to check and adjust, continue to get to know our learners and build that relationship around them? I think for me, they're, they're so little. And my job is to pretty much train them and help them, guide them to become empowered themselves so they can solve their own, you know, their own issues. And it's just, it's just building one little block at a time. You know, it's all year long. Some learners, I mean, it takes them all year long. Some of them don't finish, you know what I mean? Because they, they need, they're developmentally appropriately, they're, they're not there yet. You know, but most of them, it just takes a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And by the end of the year, they're able to solve most of their issues by themselves. And that's when like a lot of like the, the magic happens because I'm able to work, you know, guided reading. And I know everybody's like 
they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, they know, or if they have an issue, you know, they know how to solve it before they need to come to me to solve it. I was going to say, you know, what gets celebrated gets monitored, and data is so important. So if we're trying to get learner-centered culture going, we can pick something in our, our site. We pick something that we're going to celebrate for a time period. And let's say it's lifelong learning completion, or it's reading targets, or it's following the code of collaboration. We celebrate that. And as long as we're celebrating it, we're keeping it at the forefront, learners are setting goals for that, that translates into improvement. If we celebrate that growth, whether it's minimal or huge leaps and bounds in an area, they'll continue to have that urgency for whatever it is that we set that goal for. So goal setting is going to be a huge piece. Celebrating growth will be a huge piece. And then keeping, keeping that conversation alive. So with data chats or meeting with learners, meeting with class, meeting with the whole site, you know, we celebrate a lot of things site-wide. Keeping it there and alive is the only way to keep that urgency and not to have complacency. There's, there's a saying that Barry Somers has, and it's uh, take care of yourselves so you could take care of them. And I think it's important that during this time of the year, um, even as staff, we could become complacent. And, and, and we have a lot of things going on in our own personal lives I'm with family. Sometimes this time of the year does bring up old memories. It brings up dilemmas in the household with, with budgets or you know, with Christmas and gifts. And so ensuring that we're taking care of ourselves and, and sharing that with our staff. And sometimes we could fall into the trap of, of a push, push, push. We got pacing matrices. We got, you know, we got to get this done. We got to get that done. And, and, and really challenging your staff to, to, to take care of themselves and, and ensure that they're emotionally stable and they're emotionally taken care of. Learners who typically have a lot on their plate, especially when you're talking about high school learners with, with sports and clubs and activities and some of the social pressures, explicitly teaching um, grit, uh, perseverance, the growth mindset during this time is valid. And, and sometimes we do have to take a step back from the curriculum. And, and you know, at the beginning of the year, I tell LFs, you know, we got to start slow to go fast. And, and, and we have to build those relationships and we have to put those procedures in place and we have to build those expectations. And, and it may take a few days until we, we grapple with the curriculum, but you start slow to go fast. And so during this time of the year, again, uh, taking care of ourselves uh, so we could take care of them. Yeah, I think I agree because, I mean, especially around the year when, you know, you're testing, there's so much testing going on or, you know, there's something because we need to input um, scores in. It's just going back and just kind of doing like a really fun activity that the kids are going to like enjoy. They're still going to learn with it, but it's even going to be beneficial to yourself because yourself, you're going to be like, yes, this is what I wanted. My kids are, my learners are learning through a game and I'm just having the, you know, the time of my life instead of just, you know, assessing and assessing and assessing, even though that's what we, you know, during that certain times we do have to do that. But at the same time, we can sit back a little and be like, okay, we're going to do this really fun thing. And going off of what Tisha was saying about celebrating, we have a data wall in our staff lounge. And so all the learners K-8 are on that data wall. And it's really fun to just see the growth, whether it's small or big. We could just see those learners moving and progressing and getting to that proficiency level. So it's really neat to see that and celebrate that. That's awesome. No better time to celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So to wrap it up, any closing words of advice for anyone out there who's looking to make a shift towards the performance-based system, towards building cultures that are truly centered around learners? When I first started with these, this journey with performance-based system, I was in the classroom in a uh, kindergarten classroom. 
And one of the conversations that I have with my learners, I think about this all the time. I showed up to work and I said, okay, we had a couple meetings about, you know, we were going to do this thing with Marzano and it was going to be learner-centered and performance-based. And I sat down with my class and I said, I need you to tell me what you need and how I can help you. And I said, you know, our principal pays me every day to come here to help you learn. So I need you to tell me now what you need. And they're four and five years old. So they were like, of course, you know, of course, that's why you're here. But me saying it out loud to them put me in a position where I was now holding myself accountable to whatever these learners needed. So if they said, I need to lay down in the library and read books for, you know, this period of time, because this is what I need as a learner, then I was going to have to be okay with that. So I really like literally said it out loud and turned it over to them and said, I'm here to help you. So how can I help you? What can I do? What do you need? And it changed everything that I did from that point forward. And I feel like it changed me as a person, changed my life because I became a servant leader to those learners before I even knew what servant leadership was. I'd say to don't be afraid to take risks and ask for help. And then also have data chats with your learners, you know, make sure you're transparent. Mm -hmm. Let them know how they're doing. Give them a chance to let them tell you how they're doing. Just come up with solutions together as a team, teamwork, collaborate, you know. I think it's really important to have those data chats with them so that, you know, they can tell you what they're feeling and how they're thinking and you can tell them You come up and come up with solutions together as a team. And it's really powerful. I love that. It's so easy to take control as an adult because we are on a pacing calendar and we want to get through, you know, certain things throughout the year. But when you stop and you listen to the learners, it really makes a difference. You know, I have a lot of learner-centered committees. One of them is my college and career committee. They come in, uh, they do surveys. They ask the eighth graders, what do you want to learn before you get to the high school? They put the presentations together and their comments to me is, you know what, sometimes, Mrs. Leon, kids learn better from from each other than they do from an adult. So one of the things that I've had a hard time with is, you know, giving up some of that control, but it's really made a difference. I'm listening to the learners and, and I like what Tish said, just the service to the kids is better when you listen to them. There definitely needs to be a growth mindset. You definitely have to think outside the box. And when you find yourself in a dilemma or a situation you know, one filter uh, that we have here in Lindsay that I really respect is, is this what's right for learners? You know, and that's important. And if you have that at the core of all your decisions, of all the initiatives, of all the programs and the brainstorming and the ideas, if that filter of is this what's right for learners is at the core, then you'll never be wrong. In a traditional system, there are a lot of good practices that happen. You know, there is you know, ELD instruction, there is site-wide literacy, you know, there is accountability, but what makes the performance base special and different is the focus on the whole child, the focus on being a master of that content rather than uh, relying on time to determine uh, when you get moved along. And so if you could wrap your mind around this new um, initiative and the mastery-based education uh, early on, and really lean on the LFs who are veterans and who have been here for for a while and learn from them um, and know that this is a marathon and it's not a sprint. You know, this is an art 
it's not a job. If you could really uh, comprehend that and accept that, then uh, you, you're, you're in the right line of work and, and you're in the right district. And I think um, what you had mentioned um, earlier was that we need to take care of ourselves as well, you know, because the better the learning facilitator that we are, you know, at home and um, with all the issues that we, you know, we, we all have, um, our learners are going to succeed much easier. And so there are times when, you know, we do need to sit back and, you know, and take care of our issues that we need to take care of. So our, so when we go to work, when we're with our learners, we're there for them, you know, and we're going to give them 100%, you know what I mean? If we can give them more, we're going to give them more. So we just need to remember that, you know, even you're new and because I've noticed that, you know, a lot of the new LFs that come in, they want to do like everything, you know what I mean? They want to be like the best and that's like, that's like the best mindset you could come into. But you also don't want to burn out, you know what I mean? So you need to, do, you need to practice a little bit of self-care, you know, you know, maybe on a certain day you are going to leave at 3.15, you know what I mean? Just because you know, you want to go and, you know, get your hair done or something, you know what I mean? Just so you can relax. And then the next day you're going to be there for your kids. You're going to be there for your learners and they're going to succeed. That's what I've told my new ones, to, new LFs too. Just take one bite at a time. Don't try to do it all at once. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, could, it could definitely feel like you're uh, drinking water from a fire hose the first couple <laughs> days in the performance-based system with all the information and all the procedures and all the practices. But, um, you know, like what was mentioned, uh, one one step at a time, you know, one initiative at a time, and and again, that it's a it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And make sure you take some time to connect with your learners as you enjoy your break. Tisha Bradley, Tiffany Laird, Manny Sanchez, Joel Martinez, and Lorena Leone, thank you guys for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes, and come back in the new year and check out another exciting episode of Lindsay Live.